So this semester, we've been looking at the book of Revelation. And as we're reaching the end of our series in it, we're not only looking at the last few words in the book of Revelation, but of the whole Bible. And as we reach these last few chapters in Revelation, God is bringing our attention to what the afterlife is like, where all of this is heading. And in the passage, which is the same one we spent time with last week, um, God is not only showing us what we are getting back, what was lost after the fall when people first turned away from God, the beginning of the world, but also that God is going to heal what has been broken and then some. The new earth, what God is directing our attention to in this passage, is not only what, where we will recover what it was lost, but where we will be made whole again. So tonight, first, we will be looking at what we lost and then what God is going to recover. But before we jump in, um, let's pray that God would meet us tonight where we are and walk with us in his word with him. Um, God, thank you so much for these friends here tonight, for getting them here safely, um, for signs of spring before today and signs of spring to come. Pray that you quiet our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say to us tonight and that you'd speak through me, Lord. And you pray all of this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, so if you want to follow along in your passage or in your handout, we'll be starting at the last section of the passage in verse 22, two, 1. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. And also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. This tree, the tree of life, is only mentioned two times in the entire Bible. We see it here, the very end of the Bible, and in the beginning of the book of Genesis, which is the very first book of the Bible. This tree of life is in the very beginning of our world, was lost, and we see it pop back up again. So in order to understand what it means for the tree of life to come back, we need to look at why it was lost and what life looked like before it was gone. When the tree of life was first mentioned in the Bible in Genesis 2, verse 9, relationships were all in the right places. Relationships were good between God and people, between people and people, and people and creation. They were all good. All of these relationships were in perfect harmony. The Jesus Storybook Bible talks about this harmonious and beautiful relationship really well. Which, side note, if I haven't already told you to pick it up on your way out, definitely should. It's amazing. Uh, and they're free at the welcome table. Um, but it says, and this is after God had created the earth, the universe, the sky, the animals, night and day. So God breathed life into Adam and Eve. When they opened their eyes, the first thing they ever saw was God's face. And when God saw them, he was like a new dad. You look like me, he said. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever made. God loved them with all of his heart, and they were lovely because he loved them. And Adam and Eve joined in the song of the stars and the streams and the wind and the trees, the wonderful song of love to the one who made them. Their hearts were filled with happiness and nothing ever made them sad or lonely or sick or afraid. Adam and Eve loved God and loved the earth so much that they were in song with one another and with creation. There was nothing broken, no darkness ever. But shortly after this, we see these perfect and intimate relationships become distorted. After, God, after Adam and Eve heard the voice of Satan t- telling them lies about who they were, 
and who God is, they turned against God, and we as people rejected God. And when this happened, we lost the garden. We lost a place where everything was good and right and true. And not only did we lose a place, the garden, but we lost these perfect relationships with God, one another, and the world. And instead, we're left with a lot of pain. While the garden was a place where Adam and Eve were singing with creation, in true connection with and harmony with everything, now there were rocks and thorns in the ground as it was cursed and a lost sense of connection, including their connection to God. When we look at our relationship with God, um, and how our relationship with God was something that was lost, it means we lost a real sense of his presence, right? See this happen when Adam and Eve immediately shift from a life full of connection and relationship to God, one that was safe, into a relationship of distrust. After they eat of the fruit that God forbade them from eating, because of the lies they believed from the serpent, they immediately hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And until this moment, they had never had any reason to hide because there was nothing to hide from. God and people were in perfect relationship without any brokenness. And instead of a sense of God's real presence, love, and safety, shame is what they felt. Shame clouded their ability to see who God was. And they moved away from God into darkness. Being in the open light, being open with God, was no longer what felt safe to them. Adam and, Eve, Adam and Eve's connection to God was broken, and so is ours. This is not because God was no longer safe, but because we lost our connection with our Heavenly Father by moving away from Him. Their hearts had turned from what was truth into lies and broke what was once perfect, safe, and a loving relationship, and broke it. While their Heavenly Father had looked at them like a new dad and called them perfect, they weren't able to see his face as a safe person anymore. Um, when I was five, my dad took his life and it left me really unable to feel his presence. I was no longer able to connect with him because he was physically gone. And in his absence, I was left with a lot of uncertainty knowing um, I was loved. And some of you here tonight maybe haven't lost a physical connection with a father or a parental figure. I'm really sorry if you have. Um, but have lost an emotional connection with them, leaving a sense of lost safety. And while God didn't leave us, but instead we are the ones that turn from him, the distance with God is similar to the one we've experienced um, for some of us with our earthly parents, that the one who had created us and called us good, made us in his image, is no longer accessible in the same ways. There's distance. It's difficult to imagine a full complete trust and sense of presence with God. We lost his intimacy with him. Along with losing a connection with our Heavenly Father, we also lost a connection with one another. We can log on to Facebook or turn on the news and immediately see that relationships between people and people are broken, right? Um, and we see it begin in the garden. Right after Adam and Eve eat of the fruit, they feel sudden shame as they become aware that they are naked or vulnerable and they cover themselves. They are no longer singing and rejoicing with one another, but instead shifting blame onto one another. They no longer have trust. What was once a perfect relationship is now fractured. And we see this distrust in one another all around us. Maybe for you, it's a friend circle where, you know, you all love each other and everything, but you constantly gossip about one another behind each other's backs, or you're surrounded by thousands of other people on campus 
but you still have an overwhelming sense of being unknown and unloved. Or maybe there's a lost sense of trust in your family relationships. There's a lost sense of solidarity, we feel. Along with lost connection in our interpersonal relationships, we also lost trust for one another on a national and a global level. Seems we can't even find a topic the world isn't divided over anymore. There's so much war and gun violence and fighting and physical and emotional violence that it makes us numb. With every news alert and story that comes through our phone, there's almost nothing that could alarm us at this point because of the deep enmity that has rung, um, ran among us. It is no longer two people in the world, in the garden, shifting blame, but it's the whole world. There's a lost sense of trust in our own country with those who are supposed to uphold law and order, lost solidarity within communities, a lost connection between countries, hate between groups of people based on the color of their skin. Instead of a culture of vulnerability and trust and love, we see animosity, alienation, and distance. We lost the ability to be able in, to be in true connection and communion with one another as people. And not only have we lost a sense of connection to one another, but a lost sense of connection to creation. The land below our feet. We feel a lost sense of place. A lot of you um, have experienced this even just coming to college here at UVM. You came to UVM based on the idea that like, you would love Vermont and feel super home in Burlington and finally have a sense of connection and belonging to a place after feeling disconnected to the place you grew up in. And now you're here, you're eating alone in Harris Millis over like, some like, really mediocre food. And you feel like you don't even really live here. You're just kind of like existing here. And I'm sure how you're supposed to like feel at home when home is a 12 by 16 concrete rectangle. And we feel this when we walk into a forest too. God gave us this job of naming and caring for every creature. But we feel like they just run away from us in fear. Um, instead of feeling like God called us perfect, it feels like we're just like the worst thing that's ever happened to earth. One of my favorite scenes in Elf, which is just like also just top tier movie in general, is when Buddy goes up to the raccoon and asks it for a hug. And instead he goes like, ah! <laughs> and like jumps at his face. Like that's like all of the feeling I have with all of creation. Like it feels like everything is just running away from us. Like it doesn't want to hug us back and that we aren't caring for it well. Or when we go to the mountains to stargaze with friends, we can't even see the stars because of the light pollution and gas emissions that people have caused. If we go to the beach to sit by the water, you know, by Lake Champlain or like the ocean, uh, whenever we can travel again. And we can't even find a spot to sit without like cigarettes between our toes and like shards of glass surrounding us. It's like nasty. And like we're the ones supposed to be tasked with caring for the earth. And it feels like we're burning it to the ground. We've lost a sense of connection with the world. And all of these losses, loss of relationship with God, with one another, and the world, they feel irreparable. We feel this weight that things are broken beyond measure, that we are damaged beyond measure, that suffering is unending. When we rejected God and rejected the garden, we lost the garden. We lost intimacy, trust, and perfect relationships, and instead got a lot of pain. So if this our intimacy and relationships with God, people, and creation is what we lost access to in the garden. What does it mean for the tree of life to return? Which brings us to our second point, 
that God is going to recover what was lost and then some. The tree of life being back, as we see in this vision of the new earth, shows us that God is recovering what was lost in the garden, that it's going to be okay. All of the brokenness and the pain, the distrust and the shame, the hurt between all of these relationships with God and people in creation will be gone. He's picking up the broken pieces of our world, of the garden that was lost and making it new. One of my favorite um, art processes I learned about in college that I think helps illustrate this really well is this Japanese art tradition called kintsugi. If you go over, oh, you can go back now. Yep. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Um, Where did I go? And in this process, broken pieces of pottery are repaired and put back together with a lacquer dusted with gold, as you can see. The artist takes the broken work and creates a restored piece and makes the broken pieces come together as a new work of art. It is through the broken pieces that they're being illuminated by the gold that make it more beautiful. The artist isn't throwing it away and making a new piece of pottery, right? They're making something new through what was broken by adding gold into it. Thanks, Izzy. And this is similar to God's plan. He's not scrapping us away, throwing us out, and starting over. He is also not taking us back to the garden because we can't go back there anymore. But the fact that the tree of life is here in this passage, that there's so much Eden imagery, means that what made Eden be Eden will be present and then some. It's not just two people anymore. This is a garden city. He is taking us to a garden city where what was lost and broken will be repaired and also made new. It's a recovery and then some. There's gold being added. This is different from the garden and different from our world now. And we see this recovery in our relationship with God, starting in 21 verse 3. It says that he is going to dwell with us again. We will be his people, and God himself will be with us as our heavenly father. He's wiping away every tear from our eyes, and the pain and lost sense of God will be no more. With God's smile, we will know that everything will be okay. There will no longer be any doubt of God's love for us, for his name will be on our foreheads, as we see in 22 verse 4. This lost sense of presence we once felt with God will be gone forever. The tender and intimate love that we saw between God and Adam and Eve in the garden will be back. This means we will no longer feel a need to hide because we'll be fully safe. Have you ever experienced that feeling of just like pure enjoyment or safety and vulnerability? Maybe it's like just a really good sunset at Lake Champlain or somewhere on the other side of the world that's your favorite place or just like a really good meal or a hug from someone that just makes you feel like the world is gonna be right. That for a moment you aren't anxious for what's to come or what's behind you, but just completely overwhelmed by the goodness and love of God in the world. These moments are these glimpses into pure delight and goodness. Give us a taste for just how good and beautiful and safe we will be with God. And when he wipes away our tears. It's like hearing a piece of music or a melody that we don't quite know yet, um, but we'll hear in full beauty when we are face-to-face with God. There will be no longer distance between us and God, but instead an intimate relationship. 
when we we are kept safe from darkness forever, and that the Lord God will be our light. Now, along with our relationship with God being restored and recovered, our relationship with one another will be made right again, too. We see in verse 22, in 22 verse 2, that the leaves of the tree will heal the nations. There's not just healing between Adam and Eve. There's healing between every relationship of everyone. We aren't going back to the garden where there are just two people. This is a city with lots of people from every nation and culture. Except unlike now, we'll be able to actually trust and love and be in harmonious relationship with one another. Can you even imagine that? Like no more war or no more news alerts um, with someone who has died on your phone popping up. We won't have to guess if we're loved by one another or sit with feeling like a burden. Dads and moms won't leave their kids. There will be no more every other weekend for divorce. Friends won't gossip about us behind our backs, and there will be no more racism and no more injustice. The leaves of the tree will heal all of it and heal everyone. And this is what we all deeply long for, for our scars and our hurt, our pain from broken relationships and loss to be healed by this tree. This doesn't mean that our suffering and pain is forgotten, though, that the pain we are enduring now in the past and in the future is forgotten or ignored by God. We see this in Jesus after he was resurrected from the dead. Even after being raised from the dead, he still had scars from being nailed to the cross. His suffering was not erased. God saw his pain, but instead of his pain being forgotten, his wounds were healed. And like Jesus, we will probably bear our scars too. The cracks of our lives aren't gone, and like the Kintsugi pottery pieces, we're patched with gold instead. This isn't God sweeping the pain we've endured under the rug, forgetting about it, but instead fulfilling our perpetual longings of pain and suffering to be healed. The pain I've carried from a broken and lost relationship with my dad will be seen by God and made beautiful. This garden city is where nations, where everyone, get to be healed and made good with one another. Broken relationships that you long for healing from, our physical and emotional scars will be made beautiful, and they won't hurt or define you and your story and your relationships anymore. We'll be able to feast with one another and be fully vulnerable and love one another as our whole selves and healed selves. And finally, our relationship with creation will be healed. Happy Earth Day, almost. Like, we're already, like we've already looked at, we're not going back to the garden. We're going to a garden city. And the fact that it's a garden city and not just a city means that it's, some kind of, it's not some kind of industrial place. This isn't some kind of like chrome city that we see in Star Wars, you know, where it's like weird shaped and like, how did they even build that? <laughs> or it's not some like giant hotel. This is a place of dwelling that cares for us and that we get to care for. Human beings get to live together, but this time without destroying our planet. Pastor and author John Mark Comer speaks on this really well, and he writes it in his book, Garden City, aptly named. Um, He writes in it, the closing image of the Bible isn't of a cloud or a harp or Raphael and his floating cupids. It's of a city, a city with walls and gates and streets and dwellings and a river and a forest and a culture. It's draped in language straight out of Genesis. So it's not just a city, it's a garden city 
This is what's waiting for us. Not an eternal vacation in the sky, but eternity of working and resting in this world completely remade from top to bottom by the creator, ruling over the earth side by side with Jesus himself forever. Friends, we'll be able to go back to the image of harmony and goodness of Eden, get to experience the goodness of our world now, but without the junk, the sin and the brokenness. We get to enjoy and deeply care for creation because we will have a restored relationship with God and with one another. When we walk into a forest, creatures won't run away from us anymore. We'll be able to sing together once again. As John said last week, our future changes the way we live now. We can live with a hope that things will be made right, a hope that goes beyond the pandemic ending, a hope that reaches past the suffering we are experiencing now and have in the past and will in the future. God is going to restore everything. He's not just bringing us away somewhere else, but he's bringing his dwelling down from heaven to live with us forever, a garden city that we can actually long for. God is calling you and I in this passage to long for that with him and to share that longing and hope for the world and to pray for that to come. So let's pray.